the world champs put a stop to the Braves' hot streak. They don't they don't give up, and that's that's what it takes to be a World Series champion, and that's what they were, and but so are we. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AGC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano coming to us from the press box at Truist Park. And uh, Justin, everything was going great in San Diego, but evidently the Astros are still pretty good. Yeah, the Braves are really rolling, and the Astros had had some struggles of their own um, before coming in, but... Yep, over this three-game series, they remind us that they're still the Astros, they're still very dangerous, and uh, no lead or no situation is ever safe when they're in the other dugout. The battle of world champion versus world champion is the first time the Braves have been swept at home in a couple of years, and now they have their longest losing streak, four games in a couple of years. So coming up, we'll talk about how things fell apart against Houston, what happened to the bullpen, and does this change anything for the Braves? Plus, how Max Fried was able to jump right back on the horse and get back to his top of the rotation form. We'll also look at why Bryce Elder has kind of become dominant all of a sudden and how the Braves' top statistical reliever is using another sport to turn the corner. And we've got a ton of questions in the Ask Justin segment. This is your first time listening to the show. Well, we welcome you to the Braves Report. Please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger, and celebrate Administrative Professionals Day on Wednesday, April 26th. Kroger has you covered for everything you need to say thank you from greeting cards, gift cards, and more. So visit your local Kroger store or shop online at Kroger.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, big picture on how the Braves feel after their longest losing streak in two years from A.J. Minner. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep going. We're still in a good position, still early in the season. Uh, I'd rather take being in this position than we were last year at this point, so uh, we're in a good spot. Justin, we talked last week that this week was going to be a measuring stick week for Atlanta. They faced the Padres. They faced the Astros. How do they measure up? Right where the other two do. I honestly think they're as good of a team um, as those other two. I mean... The Padres were struggling uh, when those two teams met offensively, and the Braves held them down, didn't let them get hot. Um, And the Braves looked really, really good in that series, taking two of three. It could have been a sweep, really, uh, if they capitalize on, you know, even one or two of those opportunities they had in that finale. They were every bit as good as the Astros. I mean, they led in all three games. They basically, as Brian Snicker likes to say, They had the deck stacked in their favor. Um, You look at that first game, they score four in the first inning, and they don't score again, but their pitching's been good enough. And yeah, you got to add on, but they had it where they wanted it as they got into their bullpen. Um, Same way it was when Kyle Wright was, you know, through five and he battled, wasn't as sharp as maybe he would have liked, but five scoreless innings, and then that sixth inning comes, and he just, you know, it unravels for the Braves. Um, And in this one, 2-0 2-0 with the way Christian Javier was throwing. That's a pretty nice output to get two runs there. Yeah. And they had a 2-0 lead. Max Freed um, kind of took them all the way, almost seven innings, six and two-thirds. And 
really, if you look at it, knowing that you have AJ Minter on a given day um, and Nick Anderson, you're like, okay, you know, pretty good shot at that. Uh, but none of the back ends of these three games went to plan. Uh, the Braves really, really got punched in the mouth. So I don't think this is anything concerning big picture because they don't have Rysel Iglesias and haven't for the entire season. They're going to get Colin McHugh back, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but they haven't had him for most of the season. Um, and we'll talk about the bullpen workload, but you know, it was it was getting time for a couple of these games. I mean, they hadn't had any of them through their first 19 games, and uh through that first stretch, no blown leads. And then three games this series, three blown leads. Yeah, that's that's a reminder. The, the the before this week, the games the Braves had lost, they they never led. This is the first time that they actually literally let let the fish off the hook. And manager Brian Snitker addressed that after Sunday's game. These guys have done an unbelievable job. You know, it's it's like I said, we played three weeks without any of these hiccups, and they're going to happen. And um, you know, you just it's going to give other guys in that bullpen opportunities to in, in high leverage situations. And, you know, in the, in the long run, it could end up being a good thing. You know, when you have to, you know, play in 17 row and have to use everybody. There is a big stretch of ball coming up here. And this team was built to have a good bullpen, but do you feel any cracks in the armor right now? Or is it just everybody's in the wrong seat? Yeah, I think it's more the second one. And there's a little bit of overuse uh, and not, not in a very overly concerning way. I just don't think they could have had it any other way. I mean, look, Danny Young was not brought up here to pitch in a high leverage spot. Uh, Michael Tonkin, you know, was not is not here to pitch in high leverage spots. Kirby Yates is still finding it. You've got, you know, three guys in this bullpen, three or four guys in this bullpen who kind of had to shift up a seat a little bit. Uh, they haven't had Rysel Iglesias. They haven't had Colin McHugh. Um, Joe Jimenez is still kind of finding it. I don't think there are any cracks in the armor that are overly concerning. Like, let's see how this thing plays out over the next week or two. Um, as Snit mentioned, they've got 17. They're in the middle of 17 straight days with games um, until that May 8th, I think it is, off day uh, after the Baltimore series. Let's see how it plays out. But if you looked at Dylan Lee, 11 appearances. I think Jesse Chavez, 10 or 11 appearances. Dylan Lee, those 11 appearances are one off the major league lead. There's a bunch of some guys with 12, a bunch of guys with 11, and Dylan Lee's right up there. And I think that it's it's almost, I don't mean to spin zone this, but it's almost impressive that they didn't have any of these games. Three and a half weeks, almost a month into the season. They had been, you know, getting by with pitching Dylan Lee, you know, whenever they wanted. He's been terrific. Um, and he's still terrific, still hasn't allowed an earned run, but, and he, but he was off, you know, the last two days of this series, Jesse Chavez, he wasn't going to just not allow an earned run. Uh, he hadn't allowed one through nine innings of the season. Then finally, um, showed some cracks on Friday. Uh, AJ Minter had a rough weekend, but if, you know, a lot of pitchers have had a rough weekend with the Ordon Alvarez. That's what it boils down to is two at-bats against Alvarez where Alvarez got him. And, I mean, that's going to look bad because of their in runs. But, I mean, I, I just don't think there's enough here to be completely concerned yet. Like, if you if they get McHugh back and they're still blowing games and, you know, the guys aren't getting really a rest or anything like that, then you say, look, okay, something, you know, something might be up here. But I, I think it's it's three games. 
against a really good team that had also struggled and was kind of looking to break out of its shell a little bit. Um, and so I don't, I'm not too concerned yet. To give you a preview of the Ask Justin segment, believe it or not, among the 70 replies, um, a lot of them were at the bullpen, and we had this one from at Waddle Talk. Will Snit ever be able to manage a bullpen? These are the kind of the, the consequences that the Braves have with not having their rotation intact until this point. The usage part and having two relievers out is if you're on this team, you're going to have to pitch in important spots. Yeah, and Max Freed alluded to uh, as much, you know, after his start today. These guys picked us up big time, especially when, you know, us starters were only going, you know, for me only went into the fourth and, you know, we were having a lot of, uh, you know, not five inning outings, getting deep in the games like we normally do. And they really picked us up. You know, they're a big reason why we have the record that we do. And, uh, you know, we're still extremely confident in those guys. The bullpen had picked these guys up to this point it almost seemed like every day we were writing or talking about wow like look at this bullpen how good are they you know three scoreless innings here four scoreless innings there they only gave up a run over their final five innings whatever it may be they had been so good but yeah it's not this one i don't think is on brian snicker what are you gonna do i mean i think his explanation after the game was very rational and logical um and saying that look dylan lee was off the last two days of the series he had to be he had been used a lot um, over the first part of this season. Uh, Jesse Chavez, same thing. Um, they can't afford to wear these guys out because you know what that does? That wears them out, and it shows up in June, in July, in August. I mean, you already have, you know, Lucas Litke started to uh, feel his bicep soreness um, after the San Diego series. He pitched three times in that series. He pitched, I think it was three and a third innings. They've got to start, you know, they've got to, as best they can stay away from some guys and, and manage this thing and massage it. And that's why you saw Danny young in there, um, in a, you know, in, in that spot or AJ Minter going back out for an inning or Nick Anderson going back out for the inning. They're trying to stretch these guys, you know, who are going to be available on a given day as much as they can, knowing what kind of spot they're in. Um, and I've had conversations with AJ Minter before just about this one thing he says has really, really helped them be a dominant bullpen is that they're not having to go to guys three straight days. And guys often don't have to do um, treacherous, stressful back-to-backs uh, either, but they have been able to stay away from having to go to guys, you know, three straight days and do those long stretches or four and five days or, you know, these brutal things for relievers that show up later. And they're trying to manage this so they can keep these guys upright deep into the season. And sometimes you're going to have a day where it looks like your manager, you know, the manager of your favorite team is punting. But that's really that's really not it. He's not trying to concede the game. It's like, yeah, it was a curious move, but it makes sense once you hear him talk about Dylan Lee, um, his usage, and then the usage of the rest of the bullpen. And then you factor in what the bullpen carried because of some short starts and not having the rotation intact. Um, and then guys sliding up a seat because of the injuries. Speaking of AJ Minner, he's, here's how he's going to handle what happened this week going forward. I can, you know, be frustrated this today, but once I come to the field tomorrow, um, it, it's gone. Um, you got to move on. Nothing you can do about it. And just go out there, continue to, you know, make your pitches and do everything you can and be confident. That's whenever, you know, you lose that confidence, the, the hitters can smell it. Um, so for me, it's just always staying on the attack, throwing pitches, throwing strikes, and if they hit it like they did today, that's that's how they're going to beat me, and I can live with that. 
Well, first of all, can we sum up uh, A.J. Miller's issues this week? It's just um, apparently Jordan Alvarez is inevitable. Yeah, because Jordan Alvarez is a monster. Big, strong. He's like he's got long arms, so he can cover a ton of the plate with that bat. Um, massive power. He's just a really special player. And then I think A.J. Minter probably looks back at this weekend with two pitches that he thought he executed uh, and just didn't get the results. And it was I thought it was really, really fascinating, and this is something we try to do with this podcast, was to hear him talk about his mindset, particularly Sunday, uh, going into that at-bat, which was theoretically, Jay, a rematch. And he knew, hey, he gave up that home run Friday, but as a reliever, you're always excited to pitch to a guy like that, you know, the next time out. Jordan Alvarez is really good, and how you know, A.J. Minter's super good against lefties. Lefties don't do well against A.J. Minter. Uh, Jordan Alvarez did, but here's what A.J. Minter was thinking uh, going into that rematch. My thought press was, you know, he beat me the other night on this on the pitch, which I thought was pretty good away, but he's a big dude. He has long arms. He likes the breaking ball away. Um, you just have to expand a little bit more, and he will chase it. And what I was trying to do there, I was trying to, you know, throw a ball there, um, and I wanted it down. That's all I was trying to do to set up the fastball um, for the next pitch. And, and you know, unfortunately, he got to it. And that, that was just – it's frustrating because I executed what I wanted to do, um, just didn't get to put him away. So, yeah, I mean, that's – you know, he's one of the best hitters in, in the world. So, um, but I'm definitely, you know, anxious to get back out there and pitch to him again. I love that stuff. It also sheds a little bit of light on what's so frustrating about this game. And I hope that fans who hear that can at least empathize with A.J. Minter. Like, these guys are the best in the world. There was a plan. Exactly. Like, and they're the best in the world, the 1%, doing what they do. And he's a very reliable reliever. Somebody who has taken the reins of this closer job with Iglesias out and has just rocked it. Two off nights, Sunday, Friday. Uh, that's it. And... He's just done a phenomenal job, but I, <laughs> you look at those two pitches. That cutter on Friday night was away. That cutter, you know, Sunday afternoon was down and away. And, and really, both were good pitches. I mean, maybe he would have liked to get that cutter for a ball, like he was saying, you know, get it out, expand a little bit more, go more away. Um, but still, to see a lefty go out and get that cutter like that, and put it into right field. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Um, he's really, really good. And I, AJ Minter is going to have a lot of success if he's making those pitches against other hitters. Now, as far as the reinforcements go, uh, what's the update on McHugh and Iggy? Yeah, McHugh could be back as soon as Monday. So, you know, when you're listening to this, uh, he pitched three innings and 34 pitches in high A Rome. Um, game on Friday so he was obviously going to need just a couple days down as he would have if you were pitching for the major league club but the Braves fully you know they expect and they hope that McHugh's next outing is going to be for them um, against Miami at Truist Park uh, whenever that may be Rysel Iglesias is going to throw his first live batting practice session Monday you think he might need you know one, two of those, whatever the Braves do it, uh, you know, a rehab assignment of some sort, you know, a couple outings, I would I would think, because he's basically got to go through the spring training progression of he did bullpen sessions. Now he's on to lives, you know, and then it, it's going to be, you know, just that, um, this, that, and the other thing all the way up. So, I mean, 
a week, a week and a half. I mean, depending on how soon they can get him and how, how fast he recovers and how slow they play it. I mean, he, they're, you know, they've got to build him up because he's been down for a minute and a half. Um, so I wouldn't expect to see him this week, maybe the end of this week. I, I don't know, but I, I just think they haven't given a timetable, but it seems like he might be a week plus away. All this bullpen stuff is kind of a shame because uh, Max Fried is just fine. Felt good. Felt like I was uh, mixing some pitches and making some good pitches when I needed to. And uh, yeah, no, felt really confident handed over the bullpen. They've been doing, you know, an incredible job all year. Uh, you know, just one of those games playing a really good team. At starting San Diego and today, it is kind of incredible that this was the same guy who limped off the mound on opening day. And uh, here's Snit explaining the secret to his ace's success. That's why he's a number one. Um, those guys can do that. And he did a great job keeping himself ready, I think preparing. Um, you, you know, you're never going to have to worry about Max not being ready and doing his work and, and all that. That's one of the most dedicated guys I've ever been around. What exactly was Max doing during these three weeks off? Yeah, he was able to keep his arm going. So he was, in addition to receiving treatment, he was able to keep his arm going, which is why he did not need uh, a rehab assignment. He just had that sim game. That would have been the Tuesday, I be- yeah, Tuesday of the Cincinnati series. So what was that, the 11th? I think the day Kyle Wright came back, he did something there. Really, really impressive uh, for him to just come back, <laughs> re-enter the rotation. And uh, I think the Braves would have taken that if you told them that Max Fried and his return to the rotation would, uh, wouldn't allow a single run over his first 11 and two-thirds innings. Um, he looked at against San Diego and Houston. Um, that'll do. That shows you where he is. That shows you how good he is. One thing that I think uh, pleasantly surprised Max um, and the rest of us was how crisp the stuff was uh, in San Diego specifically. You you think, you know, he can keep his arm going, bullpen session, whatever, stay hot, uh, and then do that simulated kind of that live batting practice um, controlled session there. But, man, until you get into a game atmosphere and Petco Park on that night, you know, was – kind of going, kind of rocking with the Braves in town, um, even for a Monday night. Uh, it was pretty loud, you know, excited crowd, ready to erupt if the Padres did anything. Man, Max Freed's stuff was sharp. So until you get into a game, you don't know how it's going to be. And that's what he talked about after that start is, hey, game atmosphere, game environment, until you get into one of them, you just you don't know how the stuff is going to be. And pleasantly surprised, um, you know, everybody with how it was. All right, coming up. Let's talk about some of the other good things that happened this week. And the pitchers with the two best DRAs on the team now. What's changed for Bryce Elder and how Dylan Lee used a football to find his slider? This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC 
And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. All right, now we always have a ton of content for you to consume here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, a ton of ways to stay informed, stay up to date with what's going on with the Atlanta Braves. And the only way you can get everything that we have to offer is become a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And you can do that right now by signing up to get unlimited digital access for the next three months for 99 cents. So you get everything that Justin writes. You get all, all of our analysis from our columnist. Mark Bradley and Michael Cunningham. You also get Bradley's Buzz in the Sports Daily Newsletter, the Braves Report Newsletter, access to our e-paper, and it goes on and on and on, not just sports, but our news coverage as well. So to do that, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. And your subscriptions allow Justin, of course, to travel where the team goes, and it also allows stuff like this from uh, – we got a request from – a uh, fan of the podcast, Darren Stout, on Twitter that I think regular segments about places to eat in each city that Justin visits would be cool. I'm serious here. No sarcasm. So how many rolled tacos did you consume in San Diego? Actually, it was only six. It was a tough, tough <laughs> trip. Tough trip. No, I went to... So what was your over-under? If that was only six, what was what was your over-under? Probably, probably about ten and a half. Yeah, yeah. No, I went to lunch with my dad that second day because um, it's always nice to see my parents when I'm back in San Diego, and like you know, that was fun. Then I went to dinner with my parents after that Wednesday game. So I actually didn't hit my rolled taco spots as much as I would have, like you know, just on a random trip there. Like when I was there for winter meetings in December, man, I think I put down like, shoot, I mean, fifteen of them, sixteen of them. I mean, I went, <laughs> I went some twenty four probably. I think so. Wow. I yeah. So that was and that was a four day span. So, um, but yeah, no, it was it it was awesome, man. I I'm I'm down for that segment. I mean, I got a couple. Can you know we had a Kansas City recommendation. We had a yeah. could have a San Diego, you know, one. I mean, we'll 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 keep that in mind. Be in New York next week. Yeah, yeah. New York's always New York's always a good one. Um, although City Field has pretty good food, pretty good press box food. Mm. Yeah, I. Right. It's better in a full salad bar in there, so you don't have to feel like you're just stuffing your face all the time. You get a nice, you know, you get bang for your buck, uh, for your company's buck, I should say. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see. If your company wants to sponsor the uh, potential uh, Eats with Justin segment, uh, email us, advertising at AJC.com. That's, uh, we're serious. You know, advertising at AJC.com. We, we could always use the support for the Braves Report. There's, there's this place called you know, just un- no free ads. So it's it's in Atlanta and it's a pretty good barbecue place that the first part of it is an animal and then the second part of it is like a sibling. Uh, and it's a pretty good barbecue place. You and I have gone there. <laughs> if you're if you're upper management there and you're listening, uh, we would like you to sponsor us because we also would like to do, you know, we we like the food. We're we're friends of the restaurant. That was the that was the first place uh, Justin and I went out to eat when, when Justin arrived here as the beat reporter. And you need to show me uh, when you get some time. Uh, there's some rolled taco spots in Atlanta. We we need to go. I know, I know. I don't. You know, I I haven't found one. I mean, I don't. The funny thing about being a beat writer, especially a baseball beat writer, is that you eat out so much on the road, like at restaurants. That like when I'm at home, I don't know how every baseball beat writer is not a million pounds. I know when when I'm at home, I'm like. 
I don't want to do anything except cook myself some pasta or a steak or like just make my own food, some chicken, my own protein shakes, like fruit, vegetables, salads, whatever. I don't, that's the funny thing about me is like if you needed a restaurant recommendation in Atlanta, like I would only have a couple of them because I don't, usually when I'm home, I'm like, man, like it's like I either get Uber Eats from like a place I know or I'm just kind of like, I want to make my own. And that's if I'm time crunched. But most times I want to make my own food because I don't want to, I want to live past the age of 80. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll get this thing back on track, but we'll, we'll keep you up to date on it. We find it. Finding good taco spots, but meanwhile, um, no tran, no good transition from tacos to pitching, but we're gonna do it anyway. Um, you know, it's great that the Braves got Max Freed back, but Justin, he's got to take his ace position back from apparently Bryce Elder. Man, Bryce Elder, it- <laughs> can I take a quick victory lap? And it's only gonna be half. Go lap ahead, because it's only April. Yeah, take a lap around the uh, booth you're in. That the the listeners, the fine listeners, regular listeners of this podcast. I, I think there was somebody on this podcast who was talking about watch out for Bryce Elder all spring. Watch out for Bryce Elder. If he gets a shot, he might do it. And here's what I like about him. I know he wasn't fantastic in spring training, didn't blow anybody's doors off, um, didn't blow you away. But what I like about Bryce Elder is this. He just seems to know himself. Like he's very upfront about how he doesn't have the most velocity, isn't going to be an electric stuff guy. But the sinker moves, and it when it when it's going, it's great, and it moved really well in Washington last year in that shutout. It's moved well to this point. So the interesting thing I found about Bryce Elder is that when I asked him what if he could reflect on these last nine starts, I think it's fifty six and a third innings or something. Then he's given up nine earned runs dating to last season. Um, over ERA is one fourteen. Yeah, that that'll play. Um, I asked him like, hey, reflecting on that what changed? What are you doing so well? And he goes, well, this year, you know, I'm trying to get outs in the zone. Uh, last year, he noticed that he got a lot more swing and miss swings and misses the first time through the order. Second time, guys were taking, um, and it didn't go as well for him. This time, he's trying to just attack guys and get more outs in the zone, and he can do that because the sinker plays. Like, he's not... <laughs> and he even joked with us um, as dry of a sense of humor that Bryce Elder seems to have. He even joked with us when I asked him about his defense plan behind him. He goes, yeah, well, I, you know, I need them. I'm not Spencer Strider. I don't get a bunch of strikeouts, so I, I need those guys to be working behind me, and I try, try to keep the ball on the ground for him, and he did, man. He was awesome. An interesting tidbit about Bryce Elders. If you look at his baseball savant page, you'll see a 53% hard hit rate. Not good. Usually you don't, and for those casual listeners, the hard hit rate is the percentage of balls that are hit off a pitcher that register at an exit velocity of at least 95 miles per hour. So one of the simple terms, over one out of two balls is hard hit off Bryce Elder. Here's the thing though, Jay. Only 15% of balls go in the air and 25 line drive. So his ground ball rate is over 50%. So doesn't matter if you're hitting 98, 99 miles an hour off Bryce Elder. If it's going to somebody or going near somebody with this Braves infield, you're going to be fine. We'll see if it's sustainable, and we'll see kind of what that arc is over the rest of the season. But he's keeping the ball on the ground, sticking to his strengths. Um, And Austin Riley said it best, man. If you locate, you got a chance. 
thoughts from the manager because it was this time last year that Elder also got a shot to try to solidify the Braves rotation and it didn't work out then. Why did it work out now? Come a long way from when we sent him out in Texas to now. And it's, you know, it's the maturity of the, of the player and get more comfortable with himself and just the feel and, and doing it more. And now he knows that his sinker can get it done. I love it, you know, that he can put the ball on the ground. And, and um, that, that sinker is real. Allows him to, you know, stay around a long time. It feels like, really, this week, the Braves have their rotation now for the first time all season. Yeah, they do. Because Kyle Wright wasn't inserted until April 11th. Max Fried was taken out on March 30th and wasn't inserted again um, until April 17th. Bryce Elder is pitching well um, after Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd gave it a go. And don't count out Schuster or Dodd, man. It was one year ago, as you said, Jay, to set up that quote that Bryce Elder had a chance to do it last year and didn't. A big big we forget on this podcast is how anticlimactic. Last year, Bryce Elder got to start in front of his friends and family in Arlington, Texas, a hometown start for him against the team he grew up rooting for and was optioned the next day. So it just didn't work out. Now it's working out. And having your rotation is good because for obvious reasons, but we'll break them down. You get five starters in there. They're all working. They're throwing the ball well. Bryce Elder's development um, is a tremendous sign for this team. And then two, we talked about it when we were breaking down the bullpen these guys giving them at least five innings, six innings, if you don't have to keep inserting people, taking them out, and you don't know what you're going to get out of them, some consistency is going to help that bullpen. It's going to mean that if Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, Max Fried pitch like they can, a lot of times your bullpen's only hopefully going to have to cover three or even or even two innings those nights. Those guys can go deeper into games. Uh, we saw some short starts with you know Jared Schuster, Dylan Dodd, um, you know, if you have to keep pulling guys up and down and, you know, maybe doing an opener here and there, bullpen game, it's going to tax the bullpen. Now with the rotation, you can kind of slot everybody in. You've got some consistency. There's some rhythm among your starters. You're not constantly switching everybody around. So everybody's got routines um, and it's more normal. And I think that's a really good thing. Now on the bullpen and Dylan Lee, whose performance this year has been equally as impressive to really what was one of the more quieter 2.13 ERA seasons last year. And Max Fried can kind of explain that. From the time you saw him get here to now, what's different? Like, how has he developed most? Uh, He added that slider, but mostly, um, you know, I kind of say it. Dylan's got some of the most boring innings that you can. I feel like it's, you know, eight pitches with a strikeout and three up, three down, and he walks off the mound, and you're kind of like, oh, his his inning's over. But um, just kind of shows on how good he is that he just attacks and he's super aggressive in the zone and uh, guys have a tough time hitting him. It's been 11 boring appearances with a 0.00 ERA. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's really good. I love, uh, I don't think, I mean, they probably say it a lot, but I can't remember the last time I heard a reliever say, yeah, he's got just boring innings and you look up and you go, oh, his innings over. I thought Max described that perfectly. I love that. <laughs> Dylan Lee, man, he's, you know, if you're using Brian Snicker terms, a rough ride. Like he, I mean, that slider is deadly, um, and the fastball is good. He's just been terrific, and his story is really heartwarming. Doesn't you know? Gets released by the Marlins, gets picked up, you know, by the Braves. They give him a shot, and he just takes over. And you're 
always an optionable guy until you're no longer an optionable guy. <laughs> and Dylan Lee is no longer one of those optionable guys because he has shown them that, at least for now, this is real. He's done it over now a season and then a month into the next season. And he was, you know, entering spring training, I guess, figured to be one of those locks uh, in the bullpen, even if we didn't know it at the time, just because of how good he was. Man, I mean, this is quite the turnaround. And it's funny what can happen when a guy gets an opportunity and you never know when players are going to get a hold of something or when it's just going to click, when they're going to turn the corner. Um, And for Dylan Lee, he just needed another shot. And you had a quick clubhouse conversation with him earlier this week. And the only spoiler I'm going to give here is about the football connection to his success. I'm just curious, how did you how did you go about honing your slider? Like obviously, some guys don't have the feel for that pitcher, can never get it. Like how did you how did you develop that to the point where it's so good? Uh, just consistency, working on it, throwing it every day, and making sure that I can repeat it. The big league, like since you've been in the bigs, the numbers on it have been really good. When did you start to feel like it clicked? Like what year was that where you started to feel really good with it? Mm, I'd say last year, and even the year before that. So, who helped you with it? Was it just you? I had one of my buddies with the Marlins organization in 21, and we would just throw the football around, and he was telling me to kind of throw the same intensity and the same kind of feeling on those two fingers, my pointer and middle finger. Just get after it. So you were throwing, you did the football. Yeah. And so you would see it like, obviously, like, do the movement. Yeah. Interesting. Do guys do that? I mean, I've never heard of that. Uh, me and Kyle Wright played with the football and some of the other guys. And all year in AAA in 2021, we were throwing the football around. And it's just helped. Yeah. The... Um, Max was laughing because he said it seems like your innings, like, go just look up, you're ready, coming off the mound. He's like, it's just the most boring inning I've ever seen. What goes into being so consistent in a role that has ups and downs for a lot of guys? Uh, you don't let them get too high or get too low. I mean, things happen. It's baseball. There's hits that are happening. There's home runs. There's strikeouts. But you can't get too high or get too low because you got to be ready to throw for the next day. How did you develop kind of the attack mindset? Like, obviously, I, I think you, like, I've heard some guys talk about the moment maybe it clicked for them where they knew, like, hey, just trust your stuff. Like, go after guys. When did you, was, has that always been easy for you? Because out there, it looks like you, you attack pretty well. Yeah, I just know when I walk people, things tend to snowball effect. And then uh, if you throw strikes, things happen. Hitting's hard, and hitters know that. And if I can attack them, make them uncomfortable, uh, they're gonna do what they need to do. And I don't want to delay something happening because me getting around, throwing, getting the three zero counts, two zero counts, it's not helping me at all. If you go back and think to your the end of your time with the Marlins organization to now, like how satisfying is is this to have kind of a a good carved out role on on a really good big league team after maybe you know somebody didn't give you a shot. So it's definitely I appreciate it a lot having the ability to show what I could do. Had you always been? Was it always something you thought, hey, if you, if you do get that shot, like this is this is what's going to happen? You just needed the shot. Well, I didn't know. Uh, you don't know until you do it. I think we know now. <laughs> yeah, it it's um one of the tenets of this game is I think that you can have confidence, but confidence to some guys can be irrational if it's not backed up and if it's not justified. And so a lot of guys need that, the results uh, to be justified in their confidence. And that's all Dylan, <laughs> Dylan Lee. I love, I loved how honest he was there. He's like, Oh, 
you know, you don't know until you do it. You don't know you can do it till you do it. And now he's done it. Um, and this has been a really, really good run for Dylan, uh, who's become probably as quietly as anybody ever could with the numbers he's had. Um, we don't talk about him enough, but he's quietly become one of the Braves' best relievers and most reliable guys out of that pen. All right, quick uh, injury update outside the bullpen. Uh, looks like we got some promising news from Travis Darno and Michael Hare is still a little slow. Yeah, Travis Darno was taking batting practice on Saturday. He also hit inside the cage and caught a bullpen session. Michael Harris took batting practice Saturday. He'd been swinging off a tee. Um, he's been running a little bit, working up to running hard. Uh, was taking live reads off balls in the outfield. Um, though I didn't see him with my own eyes, you know, running to shag any of them during batting practice. Um, so yeah, with Michael Harris, it's, it's just going to be a little bit more time. Those things are day to day. Um, it's obviously taking longer than I think he expected based on what he said to us when it first happened. Um, but Travis Darno's getting there and it's clear the Braves are being, you know, very, very cautious given his concussion history. All right. Up next, uh, Braves get the Marlins at home for four and, uh, Spencer Strider will face Edward Cabrera on Monday. A little bit of history at stake for Strider. He's had at least nine strikeouts and eight straight regular season starts, so he's tied now for the franchise record with John Smoltz. That's not bad. That's uh, that's pretty good. And I think uh, what's Nolan Ryan at eleven, twelve? He's at he's at eleven, so he's not too far away from the Express. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, Spencer Strider, some real history, and so he's going to face the Marlins, and then his next start presumably would be against the Mets. So that. Could be a tough one to get nine strikeouts. Nine strikeouts is never guaranteed, but it's funny that I'm theorizing this in my head, saying like, okay, the Marlins are a nice opportunity to get nine strikeouts. The Mets, maybe not so much. Nine strikeouts is nine strikeouts, and it's funny that for the issues that he thought he had in terms of competing or like, hey, he needs to do this or needs to have better mentality about things through his first start, three starts of the season, the guy is still a strikeout machine. Um, and his... Average is above average is somebody else's best. Um, yeah, the Braves feel confident with him. And Miami is a little bit improved this year, but I think these are still kind of get-right games for the Braves. You never look past an opponent, but they need to take at least three or four of these games um, and kind of snap that losing streak and get back on a run before a big series against the Mets with four games um, next weekend. And weird schedule thing, Jay, real quick. When we do our next podcast, next Sunday night, I'll be in New York, but I will not be leaving because the series finale on a non-holiday is on a Monday at 1.10 p.m. I've never had that. Uh, yeah, that that's, uh, that's bizarre. It, it, it only, talking to a couple of the guys on our beat who have done this for a couple of decades, it only happens, it's happened for them a few times in their career that they can remember. I, I don't think it's ever happened. Like, I don't think it's been a non-memorial day, non-4th of July, like, a non-holiday, I don't think I've ever had a, a day game on a Monday. Like we're talking no double, you know, no double header, no rain out, makeup yeah. game, any anything like that. Just a scheduled game on a Monday afternoon. So <laughs> I guess any Braves fans in Queens who uh whose Mondays are their weekend will be thrilled. First read now on uh, what will probably be a battle for first place between the Braves and the Mets. Yeah, the Mets, um, I think they're vulnerable, man. I don't think that bullpen's as good, especially without Edwin Diaz. The rotation just got questions. I mean, I just don't think the lineup is terrific, but they keep winning. They took two or three from the Dodgers. They took two or three from the Padres. They had a great West Coast road trip. 
like, what can you say about them? They just keep winning. And I think that, like, with the Mets, the West Coast road trip or the contenders have usually undone them. Again, this year, for the second straight year, they're doing pretty well against the contenders, um, at least so far. And it, it, it's going to be a fun series. All right, now time for the uh, rather lengthy Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' frustrating questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. Man. All right, we'll lead it off with uh, Braves. Mama 12 is uh, going to be a few bullpen questions, so we'll start with this one. Is A.J. Minter regressing, or is this a blip? Yeah, I think it's a blip. I don't think he's regressing. I mean, I think those two pitches were pretty good pitches. I mean, I'll have to see more of it, but I would be surprised if other hitters got to those in the way Alvarez did. I mean, the dude took a cutter away and put it into right center field into the seats. Uh, same thing with that cutter today. So I I think he's going to be fine. I think it's just a little bit of a blip. From at Ethan Perry 57, is there something wrong with Joe Jimenez or is this going to look like a bad trade for Alex Anthopoulos? Um, no, I mean, obviously he had back surgery in the offseason. He looks like he's still trying to find his velocity. I know talking to him toward the end of spring training, he just thought it was he kind of started a little bit later on that, so it's still kind of ticking up, and he kind of expected to need the first bit of the season for it to get there. Um, so as of now, that's still kind of my expectation. From Anna Huffstutler, any chance we would bring Soroka up and put him in the bullpen? I right now, I don't think so, because I know you like they need the starting pitching depth. Without Ian Anderson, I think. Without Ian Anderson, without Colby Allard, I think you need a guy that, you know, you need to keep that starter's depth. That That's the way I see it. I know you have Jared Schuster. I know you have Dylan Dodd, but those guys need a little more seasoning. You want a guy like Michael Soroka who has been, you know, in there before. Um, and, and I think, you know, unless something drastic happens, I think they keep him there as a starter. All right, now this, this question was obviously inevitable. Next up from Matt Minry. Why haven't they DFA'd Rosario and Ozuna yet, and why does Snit keep playing them? For the record, here's what Snit had to say about Ozuna. I just keep hoping that, you know, because I keep thinking what I saw in the spring, and you just kind of hope that at some point he's going to square a couple of balls up and and get on a run. Madison Bumgarner just got cut, and he's making Ozuna money. How much longer does this continue? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, like, do the Braves really want to eat that money? No, probably not. Just like the way they operate, I, I think they're going to do everything they can to justify keeping Marcelo Zuna. And that's right now that includes running him out there to see if he's just going to get hot, to see if he's going to run into a couple. And it's the right method, but man, who expected it to be this bad? Like, I don't think anybody legitimately expected it to be this bad. Maybe he still gets it going. It's 51 at bats. That's a lar- you know a decent sample compared to what some other guys get. But... He's got a track record. They're hoping there's still something in there, you know, and DFAing him. The money would still be on the books, I believe, for the luxury tax. So, I mean, you want to basically you want to get some value out of him. And they haven't had a lot of production from DH or left field. But is it killing them? Can we say that? I mean, they're 14 and 8. And if the bullpen pitches a little better right now, that would be hard. Perfection's unattainable. But if the bullpen pitches a better one game these days, they're 15 and, you know, seven. So, I mean, it's it's tough to say right now that it's killing them. It's sinking them. They're still in a great spot. Rosario definitely would not be a candidate to be DFA'd right now. Ozuna, I mean, I could see it if it starts killing the team a lot. And if he just, if there's no value there and if they feel confident that he's never going to ever 
be a fraction of his former self. But right now, I mean, it seems like they're just committed to keeping giving him opportunities. Here's what I'll tell you, though. When Travis Darno comes back and when Michael Harris comes back, let's see the moves they make. Um, and if Ozuna is not one of those moves and he's still hitting like this, then you kind of have a little bit of your answer. Next up from Cody Smith. At what point do the Braves address the free-swinging approach that they seem to have? The Astros lead the majors in two strike hits and seem to have a better game plan at the plate. Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, Kevin Pillar, it was fascinating to me that Kevin Pillar, when we talked to him today, during an answer that wasn't really even about the game itself, he just kind of went into like, hey, I, you know, I know as an offense we need to cut down on the strikeouts. And, and and he said they would probably address that in the hitters meeting Monday. I don't know. Part of it is like they're so aggressive. And I think that's a good thing because you have boppers and, you know, those guys can pretty much outslug anybody in baseball. But, yeah, you saw with the Astros, man, this weekend, how many two-out hits were there? Like, just really good approaches, like really good, you know, pieces of hitting. They didn't even, you know, slug them, really. Alvarez did. The others, it was a lot of, I mean, and this is a team without Jose Altuve, without Chaz McCormick. I mean, they had a couple new pieces in there, but they really hit well this weekend. I don't think it's such a detriment to the Braves yet, but you do have a couple concerning things like Matt Olson's strikeouts and some, you know, some other guys. But I don't think, I mean, I think the Braves, what they do offensively works and it works at a high clip. I just think you notice it more during some of the losses. Braves are fifth in baseball uh, with 214 strikeouts. The Astros are 20th with 185. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's uh Wow, 214 already? It just goes to show you the modern-day game through 22 games. Next up from uh, Ricky Rideout, best option for a two-hole hitter with the way Ronnie is getting on base and stealing needs someone who can make contact. Olsen is not that guy. <sighs> Man, I mean, who do you put there? Also right? the modern-day game. Yeah, yeah. Do you, Riley? I mean, do you want to stack the two righties right there? I mean, I guess you could have when he's back Harris but he wasn't lighting the world on fire like I I I understand the point Murphy Darno Darno would be maybe when he comes back I mean that might be an interesting one but I just think I think right now if you see it it might be like Murphy because he doesn't have a high chase rate um he has a good walk rate but I mean I I still think that they give you know Olsen the shot he didn't he didn't he didn't drop Olsen down to fifth until way late last year and that's, um, if you believe in protection, that is still incredible protection to try to go after Ron Lacuna. And he's getting a lot of balls to hit, and he's hitting them extremely hard. Really hard, man. Geez, he had like 114 yesterday, 110 or 112, whatever it was. It seems like Ronald is just scorching every ball. Like his bat touches, it's just like smoked. Like he, I mean, it's just the explosiveness is off the charts this year. All right, winners of the week, lead it off. Oh, my winner of the week. I'm going to go with Max Freed. A lot of us would be like to be so good at something in life that we can not do it for a couple weeks, you know, to its fullest extent, come back and do it flawlessly uh, when we return against the highest competition, against the best there is. So I, I'm going to go with Max Freed, showing that he's still the ace. And uh, as the Braves had hoped, that hamstring strain, might only be a little bump in the road for a great season. And for me, it's Ron Lacuna's legs. Remember when um, this knucklehead asked you if uh, if you really believed that the uh, rule changes would actually increase stolen bases? 
Seems like it's uh, not stopping him. It it's almost like it looks like a high school game out there, or like a college it game does. in terms of like when it, when a fast guy gets on first base, like Ronald Acuna gets on first. Oh, stealing second. The only question is whether he's also going to steal third, which he did do in a, the game Saturday. He stole second and third in a three three stolen base night, a career high for him. It really has encouraged stolen bases. I mean, you have to have a catcher like Sean Murphy to to kind of dissuade that. But, geez, I mean, Ronald is running all over everybody. 12 stolen bases this season, five in his last seven games. Last year, 12 stolen bases for the entire season would have been fourth on the team. And the year before that, in 2021, it would have been third. He's going to get to 40, right? Like, at this t- point, it's just a question of whether... He might get to 40 by Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, like, at this point, it's just a question of, like, whether he hits 40 home runs, too. I mean... It's going to be a 40-80 season. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, what if it's... would you t- Or what if it's a 30-90 season? 30-80, 30-85? <laughs> I don't know. It's a... Uh, this is a pretty good clip. He's actually only one of six Braves in the modern era, so since 1900, to steal at least 10 bags before May 1st. That'll do. One person on that list is uh, your new Pac-12 nemesis, Deion Sanders. Oh, actually? Oh, my gosh. Kenny Dillingham, let me just put on the record, Kenny Dillingham's going to build a program for years to come. Dion's Dion's going to win for a year or two at Colorado and leave, and it's it's going to be very sad for Buffalo's fans. All right, so that's how we will leave uh, this Braves Report podcast with our Pac-12 update, which is also uh, brought to you by nobody. So uh, <laughs> do, do, be the Marlins people, and then enjoy that. People don't come for that Pac-12 update. No, no, I don't think they do. So, But they will come to us uh, next Monday when we have uh, this show from New York after a big series there. But more people can see that show than can probably watch Pac-12 Network. So we're doing something, oh, well, we're do, we're doing something awesome. good. And no, we're not even on video I, yet either. I, I know, I know. And um, yeah, so that's going to be a fun series. Let's see how it plays out. I have a feeling with it being a weekend series uh, – the Mets fans are going to be excited after the way last year ended to welcome the Braves to town. All right, so we'll have it all for you on Monday here on the Braves Report. If any major news breaks, uh, count on us to have a special episode there as well. Uh, if you missed anything, want to catch up on all of Justin's fantastic stories, head down to the show notes, and we've got you covered there. Please rate, review, follow, share, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell us what you think of the show, and we'll see you on Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.